This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox. I'm the Compliance Evangelist. And I'd like to welcome you to episode 366 of the FCPA Compliance Report. Today, I have with me Jonathan Marks. Jonathan Marks is a well-known fraud investigator and a partner at Markham LLC. Jonathan and I are partnering together to offer a Doing Compliance Masterclass series. The next offering uh, session will be February 12 and 13 in Miami at Markham LLC's Miami offices. For more information, you can take a look at my site, the FCPA Compliance Report. This is a, more of a how-to episode. I thought it would be good to take a deep dive into what is a root cause analysis. As most compliance practitioners recognize, root cause analysis were a part of the evaluation of corporate compliance programs, which was released by the Department of Justice in February 2017. The requirement for a root cause analysis was brought forward in the new Department of Justice FCAPA corporate enforcement policy announced in November of 2017. So I thought it would be good, since this is not a part of the original 10 hallmarks of an effective compliance program, to take a deep dive into what a root cause analysis is, how it differs from a risk assessment and an investigation, and how you would use it going forward. Jonathan Marks has done numerous root cause analysis and really is one of the company country's top experts in this area from a compliance perspective. So I asked if he could sit down and explain it to us. The FCPA Compliance Report is a part of the Compliance Podcast Network. So Jonathan, I was wondering if first you could explain the difference between a risk assessment and a root cause analysis. Sure, Tom, and good morning. Um, let, let's, let's define what a root cause analysis is first. I think that'll be easier because it, it definitely sets up what we can talk about from a risk assessment perspective. So root cause defined really is research. It's a research-based approach to identifying um, the bottom line reason of a problem or an issue with the root cause, not the proximate cause, the root cause representing the source of the problem. Um, part two of that is recognizing that root cause analysis by itself is a reactive process or method of solving a problem that's been previously identified. So that's how I would define root cause um, or root cause analysis. A risk assessment is something that is more on a proactive basis um, based on, you know, various facts and things of that nature. So where a root cause analysis, when you're doing a root cause analysis, you're, you're talking about or analyzing a problem that was previously identified. When you're doing a risk assessment, you're, you're basically trying to use your judgment in order to, you know, to come up with risks that potentially could impact the organization. So while, while they seem to be very, very close, they're very, very different. So I was wondering if you could take us through the steps you would uh, use or you would advocate to perform a root cause analysis. Sure. So there's a bunch of different desired approaches, and there's certainly not one prescribed method for doing this, but um, there are 
many, 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 um, uh, like I said, derivations of these things. I'm trying to come up with something that I think would, you know, might make sense. And, you know, the most basic way for anyone to do root cause analysis, and you've heard me talk about this before, is to talk about the five whys. You know, um, looking at, you know, why did this happen? You know, symptom number one, why? Symptom number two, why? Symptom number three, why? And the reason that we keep asking the whys are, and you have to remember the root cause analysis, it's pretty, it's a pretty invasive approach and it requires a lot of trust on both ends because now you're really, you know, interacting more with management and process and stakeholders than you potentially would in, in doing a regular risk assessment. You're, you're digging very deep here. Um, I, I kind of equate it to if you went into a doctor's office and you were getting a physical, you know, and you went through your, your medical history and someone said, well, okay, fine, you're, you're 50 years old, you know, you seem to be in good shape, you know, that's great, you know, tell me about your eating habits and you, you, you tell the doctor your eating habits and then you go through family history. The doctor is, could basically come up with an assessment of, of, uh, you know, of your health, uh, based on what you tell them. Now, if you tell them that you're experiencing these pains or you have certain other things, it requires a doctor to dig a little bit deeper in order to diagnose or come up with that specific root cause. Might require blood tests, might require an x-ray, might require both, and so on and so forth. And so that's really getting to the root cause as to why you're experiencing this, you know, this pain or have these symptoms. Um, it, it's no different than doing that's really getting to the root cause. The doctor's trying to get to the root cause. We're doing the same thing in practice from a professional perspective. We're trying to understand that one domino that actually fell that caused this to happen. And sometimes we can't game plan that in real life. So we have to use the five whys. The thing that always gets in the way with this is, is the skeptical nature and the independence of the person doing the analysis. So, you know, whereas your doctor generally would be independent and, and hopefully just naturally skeptical, you have to apply those same principles when you're trying to figure out the probable root cause. Again, not the proximate root cause, but the probable root cause of why something happened. And so that's why when you ask why, you have to keep digging until you get to that, again, to that one domino that fell. We find that generally asking why three to five times, you know, hopefully gets us to that condition that existed or that situation where, um, you know, that, that problem actually occurred. Um, and, and the, the key thing you have to remember is you can't mix root cause with potential solutions or action plans. Um, it, it, you know, it, it, it's, it's not about KPIs. It's not about training. It's not about procedures. It's about what really happened or what's really ha happening to you. If we go back to that prior example, I, I can give you what I would call, I, I like using, you know, apples and everything that I do. When I talk about fraud, I talk about the ABC theory of fraud. When I talk about root cause analysis, I talk about rotten apples. And, you know, when, when somebody's walking through or doing a root cause analysis, let's go backwards and say, okay, fine. We have rotten apples in our warehouse. Well, why are the apples rotting in our warehouse? Um, you know, there could be a whole bunch of things, but we have to get to that root cause again. So why are the apples rotting? We look for zones of suspicion. We, we point out anomalies and we point out points of deficiencies. So in our first why, you know, we might ask, okay, our first series of questions, you know, is the temperature appropriate? You know, is there water leaks in the warehouse? You know, and those would be potential points of deficiencies. Then we would look at people who are handling the apples, you know, the hygiene of the people. Are the apples dirty when they come in? 
We look at the air humidity. We look at, are they packaged in wet containers? And those might be, those might be points with anomalies or points of deficiencies as well. And then what we, we can garner from that and packaging it all together is if we look at people hygiene or dirty apples, that's really bacteria. And if we look at air humidity and wet containers, that creates humidity. Well, those would be, um, the reasons why or the root cause that the, the apples are rotting um, quickly. So we basically have taken a problem and we've broken it down and looked at the conditions and said, okay, fine, what are the fundamental areas here that we can uh, identify, you know, zones of suspicion or, or, or points with anomalies or points of deficiencies where we can identify that specific root cause and why that apple is rotting or those apples are rotting. So that to me is a, a pretty good and, 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 and decent example of how I would go about doing root cause. Now, there are a couple of things that you have to be, be careful about when doing root cause analysis. And that is, again, um, you know, a well-managed root cause analysis leads basically to the evaluation of internal control processes in place. So you are going to look at, while you're doing root cause, those processes that are in, that are in place. Um, and so, um, you know, when we're, Going back to the Apple example, you know, is there controls over temperature and humidity and things of that nature? A clear, precise, identified cause allows the professional, the auditor, the compliance, you know, the compliance uh, professional to express a more accurate, uh, a more accurate recommendation while they're going through this. So once the failure of a specific internal control has been identified here, the analysis can be considered as completed. But um, a lot of times what you might find is that there is no control. Um, and there is the possibility of override of controls as well. Management overrides a real issue. So, you know, those are some of the things from a root cause perspective. Um, you know, there, the, the second example I gave, you know, where there was management override of controls, you have to be also very careful here. And it's also very touchy in that, you know, sometimes it, you know, people override a process because they don't think it's efficient. Sometimes people override a process in order to hide something. Or, or to cover up something. Uh, in, in that case, it might be, there might be ethical situations and there might be a cause or there might be some negligence there. And those things need to be highlighted appropriately. So, you know, you've got to be careful what you wish for sometimes as you're going through this. Um, you know, like I said, because, you know, sometimes when you get to that, to that actual root cause, you know, it could lead you to conclusions that you, you would never even thought might have existed or it might lead you to problems that you thought might have never existed. But, you know, at the end of the day, you're trying to remedy that problem or prevent that problem from happening again and other similar types of problems. So it is a good exercise to go through. But the reason that a lot of people don't go through root cause analysis is because it does take a lot of time, effort, and energy, like I explained. Um, and there is a lot of uh, planning that has to be done up front. And it does require independence, objectivity, and a broad and deep understanding of, of the organization and that particular process that you're looking into. Um, so you do need to anticipate the time. Um, and, and like I said, these, these are not easy things to do. Um, people, people think sometimes that they're easy there. It's not easy necessarily to find root cause. So, you know, when I look at root cause, I say, well, what is a good root cause analysis? You know, how do we identify a good root cause analysis? So a good root cause analysis is an analysis that seeks to understand why good people make bad or inadequate decisions or, 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 or go with, or do different, different things or different actions. A bad root cause analysis or one that 
you know, is not really effective is a root cause analysis that stops at the identification of physical and process components. For example, systems, policies, you know, key risk indicators, training, and so on and so forth. You, you can't stop there. And that's why uh, we talk about the five whys, you know, kind of going full circle here is that you really have to get down in deep and figure out why people did what they did. Um, you know, books and records don't pay, you know, pay bribes. People do, you know, but why do, why did somebody do that? You, you need to get to that level. And so, you know, that's why the, the literature and the guidance and, you know, everything that's come out really has been focusing more on root cause and uh, why I think it's a very, very fruitful exercise to go through. And again, identifying the differences between root cause and a risk assessment, you know, again, you know, a risk assessment, you know, is sort of, I'm not, I don't want to classify it as superficial, but it really just doesn't, it, it doesn't, it, it's more of a proactive thing where a root cause is a problem has already occurred and we're trying to figure out and prevent that problem from happening again. How about the difference, Jonathan, between a root cause analysis and a fraud investigation or other type of investigation? Well, that again, great question. So in a fraud investigation, we're trying to, uh, when we're doing investigations, we're trying to either prove or disprove, you know, an allegation. Um, and so, you know, if, if it's an allegation of bribery and corruption, we're trying to prove or disprove that looking at certain transactions. Um, you know, one of the things that we do, doing a fraud investigation is we, you know, we try to quantify and provide um, evidence to either support um, or, um, or refute a you know, specific allegation or allegations. Um, you know, it's not our job to determine fraud. That's for a judge or a jury to decide, but so we provide the evidence. So that's really a fraud investigation where fraud investigations really um, stop. That's where root cause should really come in. So if we've identified in an investigation that the, um, the company overrode its own internal policies and procedures and paid per diem to salespeople in Mexico city, which was then used to pay bribes to local government officials to, to, you know, to get or retain business. Um, you know, that there might be, an, we would have to understand why, um, you know, the fraud investigation doesn't necessarily take it to that step. So that's why, you know, I think, you know, the real, value of, uh, of 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 the root cause is that after you've identified or quantified the information is going back and then again trying to figure out why that one domino fell now the reason why somebody overrode their own internal policies and procedures and paid per diem to salespeople in mexico city um you know might not be because the salesmen were up in arms or doing whatever it might be because sales in mexico city directly influenced the individual who did this, their bonus at the end of the year or at the end of a quarter. And so, you know, that might be the root cause. The root cause might be is that your incentive compensation programs were so um, aggressive or not um, implemented appropriately with the right level of controls that it caused people to do silly things like, again, override a control and, you know, give per diem to the salespeople so that they, they can get business that they normally might not have gotten. Um, had they done this legitimately. So that's really the difference between an investigation and, and a root cause analysis. So Jonathan, you mentioned that um, you can't mix a root cause analysis with a remedy, but could you explain how you would use a root cause analysis to move towards a remedy? Sure. So, you know, you know let's just take the example that I just gave. You know, if we did a root cause analysis after an investigation and found that, 
you know, somebody overrode internal controls and, you know, violated the company's expense policy. Um, you know, and we figured out that the actual, again, not the proximate, a lot of people get to the proximate root cause. So they're, they might be treating symptoms and not the root cause, which basically opens up the door for recidivism or, you know, that behavior continuing on. So when we get to the real root cause, for, so in this particular example that we just talked about, Tom, when we talked about um, somebody overriding controls and, 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 you know, to issue gift, you know, to issue um, uh, per diem to the salespeople, and we talk about the incentive compensation, you know, uh, we get to the solution, the real solution. I think this is the question that you're asking. If not, please ask me again. But I think that's what you're getting to is that we use the information that we garner from that root cause perspective to say, okay, fine. We've identified that this is the one domino that fell here. We, we've got that. We've, we've pinned that down. Now let's look globally and see, do we have same and similar issues in other parts of the organization? So in other words, is what we found, um, could, could that, could that could that be um, happening in other parts of our organization? And the answer is you don't know unless you check. So typically, would uh, someone like yourself be involved in the remediation after you've done a root cause analysis, or would you advocate that that move to a different group? Uh, I, again, great question. We talk about independence and objectivity always. Um, you know, if I'm doing a if I'm doing an investigation. And somebody asks me to do a root cause analysis at the end, I'm probably better suited to do it than most, um, unless I impair my independence or objectivity. Um, you, you know, leading these things, like I said, it, it, it could be a long and deep process. And if there's not, if there's not a proper understanding of really how to get there, then, you know, I, I would think that I, you know, me or my team or someone might be in a position that might be more qualified to get to that particular root cause. Now I will tell you, in a lot of instances, I might engage other experts. You know, for example, if we talked about when we go back to the apple example and why there was rotten apples in a warehouse and why they were rotting prematurely, you know, I'm not an expert on, you know, um, uh, you know, temperature and humidity control in warehouses. So I might have to get somebody in there to help me understand that. So in answering your question, you know, am I the right person? More likely than not, yes. But more likely than more likely more likely than than anything, if it involves an issue where I'm not an expert in, or it involves other people, I think it's appropriate and and probably uh, the right thing to do is to really get those people involved that are subject matter experts. For example, you know, if there was a if there was some sort of esoteric tax issue, international tax issue, and somebody overrode, uh, you know, a control there, and we found out. Um, you know, that, that things like this were happening, you know, more often because they were taking advantage of certain things. Well, I would obviously call my tax partners on the phone and ask them, you know, why potentially this is happening. You know, have they seen other things in there? So, uh, you know, the, the long answer to your question is yes. Um, I would probably be the one that's most effective going through an investigation um, to do the root cause analysis. But I would also tell you that, you know, this is, it might involve others as this thing, you know, sort of, uh, you know, as it gets more, a little bit more complicated. So uh, really, it sounds like to me, Jonathan, this is a, a case of someone, I don't want to say a dogged investigator, but it's really uh, just spade work. It's sitting down, understanding the issues, and then asking questions, asking questions, asking questions until you get to, uh, you can't ask anymore. Would that be fair? 
I, I don't know that it's really spade work. I think it's more, you know, like I said, you really have to have a long and broad, deep understanding of the organization. I think, you, you know, when you're doing root cause analysis, you need to have an understanding of a bunch of different things. You know, governance, risk, and compliance is certainly tantamount in most of these things. And that's why I think, you know, having someone that has those requisite skills lead this thing is really important. You know, operations, understanding operations is also important. Again, understanding the business that you're dealing with. You know, do you really understand all the intricacies of the business? You know, how do they develop their customer base? How do they sell? What do they sell? Why do they sell it? You know, where is it being sold? You know, what are the issues within that space and what in that industry? It's not just as simple as sitting down and saying, okay, why? Okay, why? Okay, why? Show me. Because, you know, fraud is about deception, deflection, and distraction. You and I have talked about this a hundred times. So if somebody's really trying to push you off into a different direction, you know, and they build your trust and your level of skepticism goes down and you're seeing evidence that might make sense to you, if you don't know that what, what's being presented to you is really not what's, what, the, what the right answer is based on the question that you asked, then you're going to be led down the path where you think that you found the probable root cause or the root cause when you really didn't. And that's done by design. And that's why I think it's a, I think it's a lot more than spade work. And I think it's, that's why, you know, hiring or getting people involved or, um, you know, training people on this is so, so very important. You know, I think it's great that, you know, the regulatory bodies have really embraced this and they have, you know, from a compliance perspective, they have for a while, they talk about, you know, probable root cause, you know, they've talked about it, you know, it's a little bit more formalized today. And I'm sure you could talk more about that, but, um, you know, it's not just something where you can hand someone and say, Hey, go ask the five wives. It just, it just isn't. You need these, and trained professionals that really understand what they're doing. Jonathan, could you sum it all up for us in a few sentences? From a you know from a from a from a root cause perspective, like I said, there's a there's a lot of different methods and methodologies. I like the five whys because I think it really gets you know to the meat of the issues. Identifying root causes is really the cause. It's a cause and effect type thing. So when we talked about, I'm going back to the Apple example for a second. When we talked about the rotten apples in the warehouse and we basically boiled it down to, you know, basically, you know, bacteria and possibly the humidity in the warehouse, you know, pulling all that information together, um, you know, putting the puzzle together, it's really, there's there's an art and a science behind this. And it does take seasoned professionals. And so, you know, laying out these five whys and, and looking at them from, you know, that perspective and trying to get, you know, trying to get to the stinky head of the fish, which is the real issue, it could be simple or it could be very, very complicated. I've never done a root cause analysis that was just, you know, I asked a bunch of questions and, you know, within a half an hour, an hour and a half, I go, you know, I had an aha moment and said, you know, hey, guys, I figured out what the root cause is. It's just, it's just not that easy because it, it, it always involves uh, human behavior. When it involves human behavior and it involves emotion and it involves people, um, you know, doing their jobs and fighting for their jobs, that becomes, sometimes it becomes a very tenuous situation. So having people that really understand that, I'm glad you brought that out. Uh, the human element of this is, is just ultra, ultra critical. So um, I, I think that that's all I would have to add with regard to, you know, performing with calls. This is Tom Fox again. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of the FCPA Compliance Report, where I've been visiting with Jonathan Marks, well-known fraud investigator, on the differences between a root cause analysis and risk assessment in an investigation. If you have listened to this podcast on iTunes, I would greatly appreciate it if you would rate our podcast as it would help in our rankings and also help get the word out about the only 
weekly FCPA compliance-related podcast. Also, if you have any questions, you can email me at tfox at tfoxlaw.com. Jonathan Marks and I will be putting on the next Doing Compliance Masterclass at the offices of Markham LLC in Miami, Florida on February 12 and 13. For more information, please check out my website, the FCPA, www.fcpacompliancereport.com or contact me. This is Tom Fox. Thank you again for listening. I hope you'll join us again next week. The FCPA Compliance Report is a part of the Compliance Podcast Network. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.